Today's episode of That Song From That Movie is coming up after this. Hey there, this is Frankie Sparks. And this is Scott Eisenberg. We're married. And we have a podcast called Shoot the Flick. Every week, Scott and I introduce each other to a new movie the other one has never seen. We talk about it, give our thoughts on it, and also share some behind-the-scenes fun facts. We want you guys to come along and enjoy the movies with us. Check us out on Instagram and Twitter at ShootTheFlick, and check out our weekly episodes every single Wednesday on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, and pretty much anywhere else you can find a podcast. Come and listen to us now as Frankie and I Shoot Shoot the the Flick! Michael Bay is back, and unlike Pearl Harbor, this one is completely, 100% historically accurate. That's right, we're talking the first live-action Transformers movie on today's That Song from That Movie. Hands on top. What? It's apparently it's supposed to be everybody stop. I've never come across that one myself before. You? Nope. Nope. Well then, thank you for joining that song from that movie, the journey through the very best and worst of movie songs. I am your credited by Optimus Prime himself as helping to recover the Allspark from the Decepticons at Universal Studios Orlando, <laughs> host Dietrich. And there's more to him than meets the eye, Alex. Does that mean that I can transform into something? It can mean whatever you want to mean, baby. It'd, <laughs> it'd be very a uh, different film, wouldn't it, if they were all like mammals? Although there was Beast Wars. Do you remember Beast Wars? Made by the same people. I think the next in real world Transformers film is actually about Beast Wars. Oh my god, is it? Well, yeah, I think so. That might be good. <laughs> hmm. Okay. Um, <laughs> and we're also joined by the man known as username Ladiesman two one seven Ben. <laughs> I don't look fondly at that time in my life, D. And hopefully people recognise that's a quote from the film and it isn't actually anything to do with me. <laughs> oh, it, it wasn't? Okay. I was just typing that. Typing that down. <laughs> Try and find it. Okay. Uh, what have you been watching this week? Well, obviously I've been watching Rush Hour because it came on Netflix. Did it? Yeah. What, all three? Uh, I don't know. The first one definitely was because it came straight on. So as soon as I saw it, I pressed play. My wife had never seen it. So... What? Uh, she still hasn't because she walked out after 10 minutes. <laughs> she ain't going to be in Rush Hour 3. <laughs> <laughs> wow. When are we going to do War from Rush Hour 1? Is that, is that going to oh, it's Yeah, we could do it, couldn't we? I was literally yeah. thinking, is there a song in this? There is. I mean, it's a, it's a push. That's a, that's a push. <laughs> it's a push. It's a push. <laughs> we could do it. <laughs> the day we run out of content. Alex? Um, I watched a couple of Alfred Hitchcock films that were on BBC this past week. Lady Vanishes and To Catch a Thief. God, I can't say that word. Thief. <laughs> um, thief. I'm, try- I'm trying to stop myself from saying thief, but I can't. Um, <laughs> both good, both very different, both from very different periods of his uh, directing career, but yeah, both equally decent in their own way. To Catch a Thief is one of my favourites. The only creepy thing about it is Cary Grant is oh, about difference. 60. <laughs> Yeah. It's, it's, it's like a solid mahogany tree by that point, isn't it? Like growing <laughs> yeah. in the rainforest it is for like hundreds of years. <laughs> yes, um, it reminds me of Roger Moore in any Bond, needing like a running stunt double. Yeah, God. Go on, Dave. 
Well, I didn't watch it this week, but I thought, carrying on from the last time we did this, I thought we'd talk about the second half of Zack Snyder's Justice League. <laughs> <laughs> it's taken you that long to get through it. Where I said the first half was an improvement, I feel like the second half was not an improvement. You know, I just, I just, well, it's gone out of my memory already. All the things I didn't enjoy about the first one, i.e. Superman turns up and he fixes everything. Like, his presence could have fixed the problem 25 minutes ago. Yep. Still the same problem, even if they've tried to get around it. it just Superman's too overpowered in that universe. Yes, yeah, well, that's the problem. The fact that they have the Flash, whose whole thing is supposed to be super speed, and Superman's faster than him. <laughs> <laughs> it's just stupid. Okay, so this week we are discussing the first live-action Transformers movie, which means we're talking about Linkin Park's What I've Done. So to find out what was happening in the world when the movie came out, Ben? Time for some history. It's time for some history. It is time for some history. So we're going to the not-so-far-away past to July 2007. Yes, there have been five Transformer films in that time. It's terrible. Anyway, England initiates the smoking ban in all public indoor places, condemning working men's clubs to destitution and allowing all toddlers to delay the development of second-hand nicotine addiction till at least their 13th birthday. <laughs> I remember this day because the ceiling at the local working men's club where I often visited changed colour from a solid brown to a original white. I thought you were going to say to a vibrant yellow. <laughs> I mean, yeah, that was most of their pe- most of the people's teeth in there. Do you, do you remember, like, because um, I really distinctly remember this time because we were obviously still... Uh, well, we were quite old by this, but the the time when, obviously, the smoke... Where you could still smoke in clubs and stuff, and you were children, it was like you were running through, like, um, World War One or something, like, in the trenches, <laughs> you know, and all the smoke in no man's... Oh, I was thinking stars in your eyes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but it's like, but, like, there was no smoke, like, on the ground level, so, like, kind no, of, it was yeah, like yeah, a cloud yeah, yeah. above your head. It was kind of... It was yeah. Weird. Like one of the, um, sort of, fire training videos that you do at work. <laughs> yeah. In other news, Live Earth kicks off around the world, the long-awaited sequel to Live Aid. Remember this? Yeah. Oh. Wait, Live Earth? As in the, the Al Gore one, or Live 8? Live The one Earth. before the G8? Earth. Yes. All right, okay. Yeah. Remember this one? Uh, no, I don't actually, sorry. I thought you were talking about Live 8. <laughs> they, they, well, they all mould into one. Funnily enough, this was dubbed by many artists to be the private jets for climate change, because it was expected yes. that the carbon footprint for Live Earth was 3,000 times that of the annual British carbon footprint. So we're <laughs> changing the world, guys. Christ. you got to spend a pound to make a penny. <laughs> You've got to kill a tree <laughs> to plant two. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, you got to make space for it. It's not working, I'll go. And finally, I don't have a joke. The final Harry Potter book, Deathly Hallows, is published, selling 11 million copies in 24 hours. And I was one of them. You're welcome, Jackie Rowling. <laughs> she really needed that one purchase from you just really topped off because well, well to I be mean, fair if it hadn't been for you it'd have been like what 10, 10 million, million who wants that as a record no. not even noteworthy that no it's not <laughs> uh, in other news uh, whether good or bad a certain film came out known as the Transformers film yes the Transformers film apparently Directed by Michael Bay, it's a 2007 action sci-fi movie in the first of a pentology of films, all directed by Michael Bay. There is an arguable plot for this one, but in <laughs> essence, the Autobots and the Decepticons, two rival robot factions from the planet Cybertron, come to Earth to fight over something called the Allspark, and Josh Duhamel and Tyrese Gibson pretend they have a say in it. 
that's kind of the gist of what <laughs> I got from from the film. I've got some things to say about this one. What do you guys think before I get into it? So I actually hadn't seen this movie until this week. What? What? Which I think I, I expected was going to be a surprise. I'd never seen it before. I'd always avoided it because I thought, well, one, it looked terrible. And two, like the general reaction and to the franchise and everything is all ridicule. So I thought maybe it's not worth my time. Basically, I went in with low expectations. And I guess it did succeed in surpassing my expectations. Mm-hmm. Bow me just. We're talking like... I thought it was a 3 out of 10, but it ended up being more like a 5 out of 10. Okay. So not nothing spectacular. I mean, 5 out of 10, you know, Michael Bay said that. So because I'd only just sat down to watch it this week, I thought, what I'll do, I'll actually write down my thoughts as I go in the movie. Oh, that's a good idea. However, after the decent opening scene, it all goes pretty downhill fast. Mm. So I gave up and just started writing down examples of product placement that I saw. Ooh, <laughs> there's a lot. So I'm happy to pepper them out throughout the episode, Ben. Just let me know when you want some. Okay, give us give us the first one now. So the first one I've got on my list is Burger King. Oh uh, yeah, yeah. Okay. I, I, I okay. and once you've done this, I'll add to one that they tried to get who refused. Interesting. Interesting. Potentially, who knows? Anyway, Alex. Yeah. So I. So whereas Dee has only seen it this week, I haven't seen this film since it was released in the year two thousand and seven. I think what I will say first of all is that it must have been okay enough that I watched the second one. <laughs> but I did. I've never seen beyond the second one. Is the second one? Is this okay. wait wait? Is the second one? Does it have something to do with ancient Egypt? Yes, it does. Yeah. It does. Oh yeah, I've done. I have seen that. Well, they they yeah. I think they go to some. There's a part um, where they're in so Egypt. Like Egypt yeah. Ancient Egypt. Not maybe not ancient. <laughs> not Egypt. ancient around Egypt. Pyramids. Sorry, they're, they're around like pyramids. pyramids. Sorry, that's what yeah. I meant. Yeah. Oh right. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> I think one of the pyramids is like a conduit for summoning transformers or something like that. Yeah, so it might have some. It might have some element of ancient uh, Egyptian uh, folklore. I was gonna say folklore. You know truth apparently i don't know um but yeah i don't uh remember much about this film but i did read the plot synopsis to kind of remind me and it, it was the, the, the plot synopsis is anything to go by it sounds like the most boring film of all time <laughs> i don't remember it being particularly boring i just remember it being a bit like a word from the from the year 2007 meh but yeah <laughs> I don't really have anything else to say about it. I just I don't remember it well enough to criticize it, but I just know that everyone said it was terrible. <laughs> I think probably in two thousand seven, I was like, "Yeah, it's all right." Mm. I mean, the reviews were mixed. I wouldn't say they were terrible. Since then, I think yes, the, it's, it's it's the, the original Transformers film has been sullied by the four that came after it, um, especially the fifth one, which is. I think one of the few films in my life that I've walked out of the cinema from and I don't have to pay for cinema tickets. <laughs> this isn't the not worth the nothing you paid. It's wor- yeah, it's not worth the nothing, That It's not worth the drive in that it took me. Um, yeah, I think I still it's about two thirds of that. And it has Sir Anthony Hopkins in it. Wow. Yeah, he's hilarious, isn't he? He clearly on some sort of uh, like Novocaine trip. Um, the second half of the first Transformers film, I don't mind, because I was a big fan of Transformers as a child, of the toys, of the animated series, of the animated film, which is fantastic. And I'm looking at the steelbook right now in front of me, in all its glory, Leonard Nimoy, Orson Welles. Exactly. I mean, Uh, why didn't we do that People are going to ask why you didn't choose that, yeah. Well, because we will do it one day, because that has the greatest (laughs) song in it. Stan Bush is the touch. Are we building up to it? Yeah, of course. We've got to get through five Linkin Park songs before we can talk about Stan Bush. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's how it works. The annoying thing about this film, and it seems to be the general consensus, is that 
it takes half the film to get Transformers in it, really. Um, you you want you go see this film, yeah. you want to see Optimus Prime. I know you've kind of got to, you've got to dangle that carrot in front of people, but it just takes so long to get there, and you're having to deal with a teenage romance that I don't care for. I, I really, really don't. We're using teenage in like inverted commas here because they look like they're in their late thirties. Pro- well, I think yes, and I, I, Shia LaBeouf definitely was a lot older than his age was. But yeah, I just I don't care, and the whole subplot of of American soldiers having some form of say in this intergalactic war between two giant robot factions. That's the bit annoys me most. Like they just keep saying uh, at one point Josh Duhamel shoots a Decepticon, an evil transformer, and maybe does enough damage to make it wince. <laughs> and I think that's about it. And they're all celebrating. You didn't do anything, guys. <laughs> Funnily enough, Tyrese Gibson, who has had, I guess, somewhat a decent amount of fame in the Fast and the Furious franchise. Would you say, D? Uh, yes. Challenge. <laughs> Name any other franchises in. Yep. Done. <laughs> he paid the filmmakers to get him a role in this film. I mean, it worked. It worked. Guys, that's what you've got to do. If you want to be a movie star, give your money to directors. That's How much did do. he pay them? I don't know. You've got to use that live earth conversion rate. He spent $100 <laughs> yeah, yeah. and got $1 back in return. <laughs> Probably. <laughs> Like I say, I was a huge fan of this as a kid, so I got what I wanted in the second half of the film. And the second, third, fourth, and especially the fifth are shocking. Absolute piles of trash. Flaming trash. Flaming trash that is burning the ozone at Live Earth. This is a huge media franchise. It's been going since the early 80s. Were you aware of this as a kid? Is this something you know you have have any kind of affinity to? Well, sort of already mentioned it. My only affinity was via Beast Wars. Beast Wars. <laughs> so you're clearly Beast Wars fans. I remember the original cartoon being on TV as well, the 80s cartoon. Yeah, I, remember, I remember watching it, uh, and I remember playing the video game mm-hmm. where I could yeah. never figure out what you were supposed yeah, to do. Still no, still no idea. But um, I, I wouldn't say I was a fan so much as it was on. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that was just TV for me, I guess, as a child. It was always on. But yeah, I guess it, it, it comes from that line of... Japanese toy manufacturers that loved giant ass robots, like or just giant ass things. You know, it comes back for I guess from early Godzilla. They just loved huge things. Gundam is huge. All, all the Transformers, which originally a, a Japanese company from Takara Tomy. Evangelion, the thing that the Power Rangers change into. Well, yeah, I don't, I don't know. If, yeah, it's <laughs> there's something to do with I don't know. Um, Japanese culture loved huge things. And it was adapted by Hasbro as an American company. They made Beast Wars. I think it's revenue of like all the toys, animation, comic books, video games, films. It's generated more than $2 trillion in revenue. Wow. And that's $2 trillion, not, not trillion, That's no. like four or five space gems. <laughs> Sorry. I'll go back <laughs> on that. It's generated more than $25 billion in revenue. It's $2 trillion yen. Oh, that's less. <laughs> that's, that's less space gems. <laughs> less space gems. $25 billion. Yeah, I mean, so it's, yeah, more, it's, 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 of, it's less than it was before. I mean, it's still multiple space games. It's one of the highest grossing media franchises of all time. So why aren't you giving it its dues, Alex? Well, I am saying it's, it's, it's worth multiple space gems. Is that, is that, is that, what, is that it, where it falls? That's, that's the measure. That's how, they, that's, that's how I measure everything. I mean, does this even fall into the argument for like great movie franchises? Because in, in, in no. a sense, it's the movies that have made it. These are some of the highest grossing movies of all time. This film, on a budget of between 150 and 200 million dollars, made 709 million dollars, and this is the second lowest. 
box office revenue of all five. <laughs> yeah, I know that's what I mean. Because the sort of the, again, the Asian market, the Chinese market really took to these films. Hence why they've made five of them. The overseas market is huge. Yeah, I mean, there obviously has to be a reason, yeah. doesn't there? Because <laughs> I can't think of one. But I'm sure, yeah, clearly there was. The original, well, the original, the 2007 Transformers movie had the second highest foreign gross of the time outside the US after Titanic. They love giant robots. Wow. Yeah. This is the big deal. I mean, I've never heard Titanic referred to as a gigantic robot. But, yeah. <laughs> it isn't. That's what they hit. <laughs> Optimus was in the ocean. It wasn't an iceberg. I was the first to say it. And as we say, once it's on the internet, it's true. That's strange, yeah. So Titanic was sunk by Optimus Prime. Was it Optimus Prime that was the iceberg? I thought it was the other one. The Decepticon. Oh, yeah, yeah. It was Megatron. It was Meg- Megatron. Yeah, it was Megatron. And he's down there with uh, Captain America. In the cartoons, do you know what Megatron transforms into? Um, like a, a like a 14-wheeler, I don't know, truck or something. No. <laughs> Just a guess. <laughs> I, I would have guessed like... Um... A Harrier jet. Oh yeah, that's a good show. Like a like a sort of like a a stealth plane. Nope. He transforms into a handgun, a giant handgun. <laughs> <laughs> Can you? They didn't do this in the films because that that's stupid. <laughs> but he just transforms into a giant handgun. Right. Well, that shoots. That shoots people. That's all. It what is. with giant bullets? <laughs> Everyone else, everything else in the series transforms into a vehicle of sorts. From like a motorbike to yes, you know, like a jumbo jet. Except Megatron transforms into just a gun. I mean, my obvious next question is why was it not a giant handgun but on wheels? Uh, well, Alex, this is why the series only lasted till nineteen eighty seven. Clearly, they needed you. They needed me there. Um, <laughs> just add wheels. So clearly, you're not Transformers fans. Do you no. like giant sort of kaiju battles, giant monsters, machines fighting each other? Not your wheelhouse. Well, I already said I like Power Rangers. <laughs> Which part, though? <laughs> the end bit. The Power Rangers themselves are small. <laughs> you, you like the same thing every time they defeat them. Oh, shucks. The Zordons. <laughs> yeah, well, like, what Wait, I used the to like... The Zord- 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 Zords? Oh, no, Zordons Zord- 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 are guy. Zords. Zords. Ice Palace or whatever. I used to like it when the bad guys, or essentially all they did was grow large. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that that sort of like witch on the moon would throw the uh, staff, and it would hit the ground, yeah. and somehow make them big. Yeah, and it would happen every every single time. Oh God, I miss nineties nineties TV shows. Should we just can- cancel this one and do the Power Rangers movie instead? <laughs> I mean, I would cancel. Like oh, that is a, it's got a song in it. It's got uh, Red Hot Chili Peppers at the start. Well, I love that. I love that. One. Well, there you go. Next, we'll do that next week. I mean, I've got nothing <laughs> against it per se, Ben. To go back to your original question, but yeah, I just think the film has to also be enjoyable. I mean, I don't like. I said I don't really remember this one being bad per se because like no, I did watch the second one. I just think it was. It was I just nothinged it. Yeah, <laughs> just... they, they they do it well. I mean, um, as much criticism as the visual effects have had in the sequels for just being a hodgepodge mess of I have no idea who's fighting who, what's going on. It got a lot of plaudits at the time because it's incredible. There's thousands of moving parts on these robots, and they kind of mold them together to make it work. And they do that alongside physical effects as well. Yeah, well, I thought during the maybe the first half of the movie, all the transforming and transformery people doing stuff, it was all in the dark. It did seem like a CGI mush. But I thought the choice to put the second half in the daytime was a really good idea because it made everything so much more clearer to see if you ignored the sort of weird saturation of the movie. Yes, yeah, no, I completely get that. And yeah, they spent a lot on explosions, but it is Michael Bay. I was going to say it's a Michael Bay, isn't it? Yeah. Are all five Michael Bay? Yeah, all five. Makes sense. That tracks. It might be four, but I'm, I'm pretty sure it's all of them. 
Um, apparently in one scene, they used mines in the ground to explode behind the running actors, you know, like a, um, like a concussion effect. So like as they were running, mines close to them would explode. And he explicitly stated to the actors that under no circumstance stop running because you might die. <laughs> God, that's one way to get you to run, isn't it? Uh, Tyrese Gibson's career could have ended there. <laughs> He'd be essentially paid to die on the set of a Michael Bay film. <laughs> yeah, all of one dollar. A lot of big blockbuster films, especially at the time. Like, this was actually considered fairly cheap for the time. His budget was quite small compared to films like Pirates of the Caribbean. But these are at the top of the lists for box office revenue. Do you think it is the case of one of those an empty vessel makes the most noise that these are the kind of films that you just are just soulless? Or do you think there is something for them? Do you want me to refer back to my product placement list? <laughs> I mean, it's fun, it's fun. <laughs> what, what a perfect time to bring it in. Apple, Yahoo, Chevrolet. Yeah, okay. Continue. <laughs> Continue. That's interesting, actually. I didn't know there was Apple products in it because Apple refused to... There's a scene in the in the film where they put a phone into a machine and it transforms into a little monster and Apple refused to let it be an iPhone. Okay. There, there is one that appears, but it's, it's not used in it by anyone untoward and it's definitely not a uh, Decepticon. <laughs> well, yeah, I suppose you're not going to get far if you... The Decepticon seem to often be resembled as the police in this film. Since one of the main, uh, the main Decepticons, it just turns into a cop car. Ooh, statement. <laughs> yeah, I know. How topical. See, he knows where to hit the buttons. <laughs> but yeah, do you think these films are just soulless then? I, I don't think films like this really get made anymore. Except for the sequels. <laughs> the franchise has been built on now, but like a new film, I feel that blockbusters have to have more substance now. I don't think you can get away with those empty films. It reminds me of like films like Midway and stuff like that. People try and make them. Very, I think it's a Roland Emmerich. They just fall flat now. I wonder if audiences expect more in their huge, mega, hundreds of millions of blockbuster films. Yeah, I think it's it's difficult with with this, isn't it? Because it's hard to relate to a machine. You know, if you compare it to something like you know, like the Marvel films, I suppose it will be a good comparison. Even though those are superheroes, there are still like human elements to it much more than there is to something like this. Even if you're not a huge fan of like the Marvel films, they're still human stories in a lot of ways, and and I, I think they're a lot more relatable. And I think it's just easier to tell a story that that an audience can empathise with. I think this one, it's kind of it even sets out, which I was going to come on to later when we talk about the song. But in the poster, it even says something like like the tagline, like something like "Our planet, their war." I've written it down somewhere. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's right. It's essentially saying that humans are just irrelevant to the story in a, lot, in a lot of ways. And you even picked up on it, Ben, when you said about the um, the guy shooting them with the gun, and it like you know doesn't even you know the character doesn't even wince, and that's it's a big victory. It's kind of the film is setting it up as like completely removed from yes. from a human struggle. <laughs> I think they're trying to make it connected, but you yeah. forget the size of this it is just so insignificant, and I I, I think yeah, it is too disparate. Yeah, because like you know, like with the Marvel films, you obviously have the characters like um, Thanos, where it's kind of trying to create that sort of like, well, humanity is quite insignificant. But then obviously that isn't the case as you go through the films. You know, it's they work it well. Whereas I think with this, maybe they didn't do a good job of that. I'm not sure. Yeah, I think it was a good attempt, but it's just not going to work. They just get bigger and more ridiculous, and the influence a singular or small group of human beings can have becomes even more insignificant. Canadian listeners, this one's for you. 
Today's episode is brought to you by HelloFresh. Do you feel like you're stuck in a dinner rut? With HelloFresh, you can get fresh, pre-measured ingredients with mouth-watering, seasonal recipes delivered right to your door. Skip all those trips to the grocery store and count on HelloFresh to make home cooking easy, fun and affordable. You can now enjoy cooking and get dinner on the table in 30 minutes or less. With over 25 recipes to choose from each week, there's something for everyone to enjoy. All recipes are designed and tested by professional chefs and nutritional experts to ensure deliciousness and simplicity. I personally like the look of the beef and rice bowl. Go to the link in our show notes to get $80 off, including free shipping on HelloFresh, the number one meal kit. Moving on to the music, there were two albums released for this movie. Transformers The Score and Transformers The Album. So Transformers The Score was composed by Steve Jablonski, which is not a real name. It, it can't be. <laughs> it must be. Steve Jablonski. No. So that was all the uh, you know the orchestral pieces of the film, and then they made Transformers the album, which was produced by Warner Brothers. So it has a very alt rock feel to it. We're talking the used, Taking Back Sunday, him, yeah, Disturbed, like Smashing it. Pumpkins, yeah, Sixteen Year Old Alex and D. Feel like you'd be on this. Yeah, yeah I've heard of those bands. <laughs> I've heard of those <laughs> bands. <laughs> Downplaying it. Yeah, yeah. Down, definitely downplaying. <laughs> I think it's really hard to mix orchestral music as at its core and modern adapted soundtracks into one film. In in the sense of tr- still trying to be sort of really pronounced and epic and to the point where you're trying to sell two albums of this. And I was trying to think of examples where it's very famous that like you'll have a re- really pronounced standout orchestral piece and a really famous sort of song in a film can you think of any example in which there is a a song in a film that's famous and a orchestral piece in the film that's famous god Um, under pressure only one came to my mind straight away um i guess the star trek films we've already talked about star trek is something that i did that did come to me because beastie boys i guess is is quite prominent in the film the michael giacchino score yes which is fantastic Guardians. See, I think I can't think of the actual orchestral music in Guardians. I was thinking maybe something like Forrest Gump. That was a very famous uh, intro music. And Forrest also... Gump did come to me. Yeah, the one that stuck out that most to me was Back to the Future. Like I know the oh, the, yeah. The, yeah. Or, the orchestral sort of pieces that Alan Silvestri is fantastic, and then there's Huey Lewis in the News, which is also really pronounced. But I think it's really hard to do. And if you watch the film back with this in mind. It really stands out. It's really jarring. They've got these all these huge set pieces, this orchestral music in the background, and then pretty handsome, awkward by the use that's playing for about <laughs> just the just the just the music, not the singing for about thirty seconds. Thanks, Alex. Thanks. It's really off putting, and I think it's terribly done. And with that, I move on to the song that book ends Transformers, which is the song we're discussing today, which is What I've Done by Linkin Park. So What I've Done is a song by the American rock band Linkin Park, which was released as their first single from their third studio album, Minutes to Midnight. Now the song starts to play as Optimus Prime is giving his his eulogy, his sending off speech at the end of the film, and then the lyrics kick in over the credits. So it's kind of a credit song that just gently touched on in the film, but... In general, it's not got a huge tie into the film. What are your thoughts of this song? I like this song. I was uh, a fan of this album because it, it was kind of a slight departure from the first two albums, I think. But I like this album generally, this Linkin Park album, not the, the Transformers soundtrack. <laughs> You'd love that. 
Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that maybe I should start listening to. But I, yeah, I like this song. I was listening to it and watching the video, and it, I kind of what kind of struck me, which is sort of what I touched on before, is that it doesn't seem to fit the film lyrically, in my opinion. Like, I do yeah. like it, but I just don't think it, it, it is aligned at all to what is happening in the film. No. Because the, the music video as well mm-hmm. sort of suggests that the song is about, like, things that humanity has done to make the world, like, a, you know, a less good place. If you sort of take the lyrics literally, you know, it's, like, more about personal debt um, that we feel for, like, sort of our actions. But, like, if you compare that to the film where it's essentially saying that humanity's role in this entire story is quite insignificant, and it's about these, you know, like, <laughs> alien robots that have been fighting for, you know, centuries and, and, and hundreds of millions of years or whatever, then it just it doesn't make sense alongside that, unless the song has been sung, of course, from the perspective of the uh, the, the robots themselves, the transforming robots. <laughs> <laughs> that would, yeah, an auto-tuned version yeah. would be fantastic. It doesn't really work for me. I mean, obviously it fits alongside the other songs that you mentioned before quite nicely, if that was the soundtrack they were going for. But in terms of... If we're talking about a song representing what happens in a film, or at least you know being thematically similar, I don't think that this really works. Was no. was was my first reaction to it, definitely. But I like the song. Yeah, I also like the song. Now that is, as Alex pointed out, this was sort of like a sort of a step away from the sort of new metally first two albums of Linkin Park towards the more like I don't know, absolute radio generic rock, radio yeah, X type of thing. Popular, it? Rock, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And so because of that, I really hated this song at the time but i do look back and sort of cringe at myself for taking such a strong view against what is a pretty good song it's just different to what they did before yeah. and it's not even different by a whole yeah. lot i don't know why i had such a strong reaction to they it they kept getting more different yeah they did keep getting more different and basically at the time i was accusing them of selling out nice and now i do this podcast and shill suitcases <laughs> so i'm sorry chester i'm the sellout <laughs> I'm go. sorry for making fun of you. <laughs> I'm sure he'd forgive you, D. Um, yeah, I was a huge Linkin Park fan as a teen. I liked this album a lot. But I did prefer the two before it, uh, Hybrid Theory and Meteora, and have begun to like this album more as I have gotten older. Not necessarily for the themes, I just think it's more fitting with the kind of music that I listen to on a day-to-day. Adult contemporary. <laughs> yes, 100%, yeah. It's either Radio 4 or Classic FM now, and that's, that's the life I have. But I I saw Linkin Park live when I was 17, which was more or less in the tour that followed this album. And actually, the concert that I was at, which was in Millen Keynes, won a Grammy for the performance of this song live. So, a, I don't know, it was like maybe it was like the best live performance of an alt-rock song i don't know but it was a, they won a grammy which we've slowly started to realize during the <laughs> recording of this podcast means nothing <laughs> um because there are so many unless grammys, you're will smith unless you're will smith um th- i think that there's reasons why this song doesn't fit with the film um partly because the film is largely as d has already pointed out a big cash cow of just trying to make money that seems to be the main uh reason for it it's a it's a toy that's being made into a film just like the lego movie you can make it good but at the heart of it you just want to sell more <laughs> toys talking of toys furbies xbox 360 also on my list <laughs> oh right there you go <laughs> lovely book it and off but yeah this always more than that <laughs> <laughs> oh jesus christ according to megan fox she was attending a linking park concert and when it was over 
the band met her personally and stated that they'd heard about this live action Transformers movie being made and they requested if they could have a song of theirs in the film. And there's what I've done appears in the closing credits. It was not intended to be the single for this film. It has just become that in the process of making the film. So initially, the official song for this film is called, and it's still stated as the official song, is called Before It's Too Late, in brackets, Sam and Michaela's theme, by the Goo Goo Dolls. <laughs> the Goo Goo Dolls. Yeah, it's crap. Right. It's really bad. It's on. You can get it on the album. Is it in the movie? It does play when they're in the car, but an instrumental version. I think it's the second or third song in the credits. I didn't stare on that long. No, the Google Dolls recorded it. It became official. They still released it as a single. But in all the promo for the film... And trailers and things like that. All the trailers, it's what I've done by Linkin yeah. Park. They just... as I think as soon as Linkin Park said, yeah, yeah, here's, here's one of our new singles, I imagine the dollar signs just went in the producer's eyes and they thought, yeah, Linkin Park are about to you know release their huge next album. And it was absolutely huge. The single was five times platinum in the US, red gold in various, I think like 12 countries in Europe. Song debuted at number 21 in the US billboards. It was huge. It did feel and like it was it... everywhere, didn't it? Like you just couldn't get away from it at yeah. the time. Like he turned on Kerrang, which I did often, Oscars. <laughs> and there it was <laughs> for like two or three years, it felt like. Mm. It, they, I think they hit that sweet spot by making it a slightly softer sound and it became mainstream success a bit like uh, american idiot green day yeah yeah definitely. It, it just hit that it hit that sweet spot uh where it could be played on any radio station basically uh, without offense couldn't really do that maybe with some of the first album stuff and that's led us to discuss it and not before it's too late by the google dolls and it's the google dolls who knows a song by the google dolls that's not iris uh, better days See, you could be making that up for all I know. <laughs> I'm not, it's a genuine song. Iris? <laughs> I just said Iris is the only one. Which is also a song from a film. Is it? The, 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 yeah. But it's not going to take a of the video. Is way too, the video is basically a film in itself. Yeah, well, no, because the, the video for that song is the film. It's that film with Nicolas Cage and where he's like a ghost or something. <laughs> I can't remember what it's called. It's called like something about angels. You could just be making all this up for me, Alex. Yeah, it could be. But are the Goo Goo Dolls even a band? <laughs> Who knows? Or are they just another Hasbro toy? <laughs> that when Beast Wars fails, next in cinemas is the Goo Goo Dolls, which is some slime-based, putty, Stretch Armstrong toy. Just sign me up, Hasbro. I'd buy one, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'd buy 20. Um, but yeah, I feel this song is, is very much of the time. That alt-rock sound is very much 2007. What also was very off the time was a little music-based rhythm game, Guitar Hero. Yeah, it was on Guitar Hero. was going to come up. <laughs> yeah, it was the only song I ever five gold starred. Yeah, it was really easy. <laughs> That's exactly what I was. Shut up. <laughs> Don't take this away from me. <laughs> the, only song you've ever, the only song you ever got 100% on was this. Yeah, yeah. That's an unexpert. Yeah, yeah. yeah unexpert. Yeah. Sorry, Alex. <laughs> I think it started a trend as well of and we discussed this recently with the most recent oscar songs i feel the the use of music and in a lot of big blockbusters became very lazy it's just at the end it's just thrown in like you know they, they've used this song for promotional material on all the trailers and then you just throw it in at the credits when people are leaving i just feel like you can't take 
credit yeah. at all for film, for songs that are in credits. I just think it's really, really lazy. And as well with this one as well, like you've already said, like it's it, it was a song that was just on the new album. It's not like they've written it for the film or anything. It's just, nope. <laughs> it's nope. just they've just taken a song. For, and as well, like you know it's going to be their best work. They're not just like, mm. you know, phoning it in for a film song. But like they're literally like you know, putting this out, hoping it's going to you know, do really well. So... <laughs> It's like it's really weird that, yeah. that that's how it ended up because I just assumed that they'd written the song for the film and then it just happened to put it on their album as well. Oh no, no! I think the the album's themes are around like the Doomsday Clock. I think that's what the song's referencing. It has like a ticking clock in it. Um, and yes, I guess what's going to change? Are we moving towards the end of something? Still very uh, <laughs> themes of Linkin Park. Do, do you know, I think it was weird that they clearly picked the Strokes as, like, the cool band. Yes, he, well, that, yeah, he's wearing the t-shirt. Yeah, he's wearing that for the entire film. Why didn't they just approach the Strokes to do a song for this? It seems weird that they go, "Those the Strokes are very cool. Linkin Park. <laughs> is the used. <laughs> it's, yeah, maybe it's not angsty enough, D. It's not Mountain Dew enough. Not Mountain Dew. Is that another one? <laughs> it is another one, yeah. <laughs> God, yeah. How many more have you got? Uh, well, uh, eight. <laughs> D, I'm I'm running out of things to say. Launch some horrors. Okay, so uh, continuing the car theme, we've got Pontiac, GMC, and Porsche. Made up for some of those. Sort of linked to cars. Enterprise Insurance. Were they around at that point. Apparently, uh, Wells Fargo. Mm. I don't know what they do, but I recognise the, the bank. bank, isn't it? Yeah, bank. I think. Oh, there you go. AT and T. Bank. They're a phone company. No, they're a phone. Oh, yeah, they're, yeah, they are a phone company. They are a phone company. <laughs> uh, eBay. Yeah. Bank. And CBS to round off the list. There might be more, but like we're British, so half the brands I didn't recognise. Transformers toys. True. Uh, yeah, Transformers. How did I miss that yeah, off the list? It's the biggest one. It's yeah. like staring you right in the face. <laughs> yeah. How many Transformers can you name? Um, two. Not counting, not counting Optimus Prime or Megatron. Bumblebee. Bumblebee. And oh, I- not counting Bumblebee because he's got a film after him. There was one called like like. Raven or Jazz or something jazz, like that. That was quite, yeah. yeah, that seemed a bit on the nose. I mean, if you <laughs> just a tad, if, if if you'd have asked me this the day we were originally supposed to record this episode, I probably could have named two that I read in the synopsis, but now I can't remember. Much like the film, it's just completely gone oh, out of my mind. Um, St- Sandstorm or Darude, something like that. <laughs> no, not not Sandstorm. I ain't got a clue. All right, okay. It doesn't matter, does it? That's the thing. Who cares? <laughs> the gorilla version of Optimus Prime? Well, yeah, there's exactly. Huffer. I mean, I know one's from the cartoon. There's Huffer, Scrounge. Um, no, these are definitely broadside. made up. These are, are you sure you're just not continuing the list of the seven dwarfs that they didn't, you know, they didn't I, use the names for? Well? <laughs> <laughs> I think these are all Goo Goo Doll songs. <laughs> Scrounge. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, there was just terrible ones. There were just all sorts of crap. In it. Landfill, that was one. Um, they were They were just terrible. None of them turned into guns, though. But there was the Dino Bots as well. I mean, I'm moving away from it now. Um, shall I do top ten? Go for it. Top ten. Top, top 10. ten. Top ten. Yeah, Sorry. Yeah. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Slow down. Slow down. It's transformed uh, from top a top five. five to a top ten. Top five. I've got three top tens open on my laptop. I have a top ten product placement. Transformers names. <laughs> I have top ten rush hour quotes <laughs> because I was entertaining myself before this podcast, and then I also have. A top ten, for which I will only ask you the top five. What are the greatest ever cinema robots? In a poll in 2014. Johnny Five. Johnny Five? I was going to say Johnny Five. Is that in there? Johnny Five was actually often in the lists of worst movie robots. <laughs> Get fucked. No, if, you, if you've ever seen Short Circuits 2, it's shocking. 
And he ruins it all. I mean, the obvious answer is the Bicentennial Man. <laughs> Did not see it on any list, Alex. Surprisingly. I mean, that's shocking. Um, R2-D2. Does he count? Like yeah. droids? Do they count as robots? Also, I'm not going into this argument. I had to look up android, cyborg, droid, all this sort of stuff. They're all robots. They're just different types of robots. So the Star Wars robots, are they in the list? <laughs> uh, well, which ones? Well, I said R2-D2. I mean... Okay. C-3PO. C-3PO. Yeah, okay. Who's above who? R2-D2 will be top, right? I should think. Yeah, that would make sense. Yeah, R2-D2 is number one. The greatest cinematic robot. C-3PO, third. Right. Is there any more Star Wars characters oh, in there? Just make... They are not. now. 2014, right, okay. so I don't think BB-8 was around yet. Okay. Um, any, is there any characters from Blade Runner? <laughs> Rock, it uh, was some lists, Howard, but only pretentious ones. Right, okay. I'm going to say the T-800 from Terminator, or T-850. Number five, yes. Number five, of yes. Course, well yes, 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 yes. Okay. That is a great shout. Thank you. Now, one of the robots from the movie Robots. <laughs> Again, in the list of worst movie robots, yes. Is that, is, does that also include the robots from the film AI? All, it was in a lot of lists. Yeah. But not top five. Something from Alien? Not Alien, no. Although, what's his name in like Prometheus and yeah, Alien Covenant that and stuff? Yeah. David. David, yeah. David! Oh, oh, um, oh, this is probably not on the list, but I was going to say um, Alicia Vikander from Ex, Ex Machina. Was that Again, some lists, yeah. not enough. But probably, there's probably like really obvious ones that we just clearly not getting. It's Optimus Prime one? Yeah. Uh, Optimus Prime isn't there. Yeah. But I'm glad you went there, Alex. Yeah, someone's got time. Robots in films. Oh, um, Robocop. <laughs> <laughs> Robocop. No, just outside. Just oh. outside. Number six. One's animated. Oh, the one from. Oh, no, probably not. Big Hero 6, whatever it's called. Baymax. No, no, no. Is it Disney? It is Disney. Right, Disney. Okay. Robot. That's really baffling me. I can't. Very good. <laughs> Come on. Oh, fine. Not Pixar then. Oh, Wally. Yes. Thank you. Wally was number two. Yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> It does make sense, yeah. yes. Okay, one more. It's another animated film. But not Disney. Not Disney. Don't know what it is. He says Superman at the end. The robot says Superman. Yes. Great film. Says Superman just before he dies. It does sound familiar. Robo Superman? There you go, D. You got it. Robo Superman. <laughs> Classic. Nailed it. Wow, I can't believe that. Give us a rough... T- when's, it, when's it from? Uh, Like, late 90s, I think, maybe. You can see it in Ready Player One. The Iron Giant. There you go. Oh, yes, of course. Yeah, of course, of course. Yeah, yeah. This is like pulling teeth every single week. It was, yeah. I almost have as many grey hairs as my grandfather because of you guys. It's hard when you're thinking off the cuff, though. It's hard, it's hard. We got four. We got four without much help. We? I think Dee did. What? I said the two robots from Star Wars. That was two. Moving on, Dee. Cut Alex out. <laughs> I can't believe Bicentennial Man is not in that list. Or in any of the lists. Don't think he was in the top 100. I mean, that's just, that's baffling. Have is people it? seen films? <laughs> people seen Bicentennial Man? <laughs> Most people probably have. More people voted for the Fembots from Austin Powers. <laughs> yeah, that's good as well. Okay, so now it's time to decide what is better, but I think it's not going to take very long. Uh, the movie or the song? Alex? The song. I'm 100% agreeing with you, because the movie's not very good and the song is good. Ben? Um... No way. <laughs> no way. Are you picking movie here? I, yeah, do it, go on, fine, I'll pick some. I thought about it, 
That's enough. I thought That's about it. Our listeners deserve you thought, thought. Far too long. Our listeners deserve thought. We'll cut out some of the time in between. <laughs> so that brings us to the end of another episode of that song from that movie. Let us know on Twitter which one you think is better, movie or the song. Alex, what is our Twitter handle? TSF, TMBOD. Cool. So you can help the podcast by sharing this in many places. One of those places would be on Reddit. But what random subreddit should they pick, Ben? Stanbush subreddit. Oh, that's going to piss them off. <laughs> we'll, we'll tell. Well, hopefully they'll listen to this point and say, don't worry, we'll cover that song. I feel sorry for the person that shares that. Yeah. You can help the podcast by buying our merch, signing up for our Patreon, or leaving a review. All the links for those things are in the show notes and on our social media. So all left now is to do some goodbye. So it's goodbye from myself, goodbye, and goodbye from Alex. When all hell's breaking loose, you'll be riding the eye of the storm. You got the heart, you got the motion. You know that when things get too tough, you got the touch. And goodbye from Ben. It's morphing time. <laughs> so goodbye, everybody. Bye. 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 Yeah. I actually quite like that Stormzy song. I, you know, I don't even know which one you're on about. That's that's how disconnected I've become. <laughs>